This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 10th, episode 2930. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the second Tuesday of the month. And we have Karen back with us after an exciting weekend all around in the horse world. Definitely. And uh, even in the endurance front. So I'm so excited about this. Tell us who we have coming up on today's show. Today we have 11-year-old Mia Moore, who just won the Biltmore 100-mile ride over the weekend. Okay, let's it was stop a, there. Uh-huh. That's 100 <laughs> miles on a horse, and she's 11, and won the race. And that one's a well-attended race. That's not like a, you know, a little race in the country. Oh, and she also rode a 50-mile ride and completed the day before that. Do you know what I was doing at 11? It wasn't anything like this. (laughs) (laughs) You were playing miniature golf. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably playing the early, early, earliest. No, we were outside playing in the yard. I mean, we weren't doing any Uh of this. We were probably playing kick the can, you know, in the alley behind the house. Uh We certainly weren't riding 150 miles in two days in the crappy weather. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, she's coming up. Who else? Uh, we also have Aaron Grogan, who is going to tell us what it's like to volunteer at a 100-mile ride. And I have my endurance tip on what to pack in your endurance crew bag. And we have Mia's sponsor coming on, too. Uh, Sarah Marie Arthur is going to be here. Right. And, you know, let's uh, talk a little bit. Let's remind everybody, if we have a lot of new listeners who maybe don't know, but what is a sponsor and why do kids have them? Right. So... In the United States at AARC Rides, the sponsors need, or sponsor the uh, junior riders until they, um, if they reach 14 and have a certain number of rides under their belt, I think it's around 800 or so, they can get a letter from their, um, their parents can request with AARC to get a letter so they can ride unsponsored. Otherwise, until they're 18, they need to ride with a sponsor. which is an adult that they need to stay within about a minute of each other on the trail at all times. And that way the junior has the sponsor with them all day long to help make sure they, you know, follow the trail correctly and get through all the vet checks together and that sort of thing. And, you know, sometimes during a ride, uh, the sponsors can change if one happens to get pulled or something, then another adult, can step in and take over sponsoring the juniors. That, yeah, the sponsor's horse gets pulled, you know, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, so. that's, that's cool. And so really your, your sponsor is very dedicated because they have to stay with that junior all day, no matter what happens. 
Right. Yes, there's a certain amount of responsibility. You know, you a good sponsor will learn that, you know, you can't go any faster than the slowest horse in your team, whether that's your horse or the juniors, or if you're riding with more than one junior. So you have to be able to, um, you, you know, I think I've sponsored juniors quite a lot over the years. And the one thing I, I think it's been really beneficial for me is you learn how to read other people's horses because you need to um, be aware, especially if the junior's kind of new and they're also learning, you need to be, you know, conscious and aware of how not just your horse is doing, but how your junior's horse is doing and also how your junior is doing. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've said, are you drinking enough? How much have you drank? And let me see how much is left in your water bottle. You know, and, and so you got to kind of monitor. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then once they get a little more proficient, you know, they they'll just They'll keep trotting down the trail drinking, you know, and, and I know that's not a skill. I mean, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but, you know, when you're riding a horse, you're going down the trail through different terrain and stuff, you know, to be, you know, competent enough that you can whip out your water bottle, drink, and put it back all at a trot. Um, you know, it, it takes a little bit of, of confidence and skill and practice to get to that point. And, and a lot, the juniors, of course, I think pick it up a lot faster than some adults might. Do they ever? Does it ever go the other way where the uh, junior rider is the faster one and they have to wait up on the sponsor? It, exactly. And then you've got to keep the brakes on your junior. Gotcha. <laughs> you know. But yes, there's plenty of times where it ends up with the junior actually sponsoring the adult. <laughs> It might have been the case here. We don't know. <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we'll find out. Biltmore is a beautiful ride. That's in the mountains of North Carolina, in the very western part of the state, Smoky Mountains there. And it, uh, it's you know, it's the it's the largest house I think in the United States. It's it's a huge, mm -hmm. huge place. And we've been there many times. My wife and I've been there. She's ridden there actually too. And you know, we've been there many times. And we drank a lot of wine there and uh, toured the house about a thousand times and. We ate dinner there one New Year's Eve. It was snowing, and we got there about oh, 6 o'clock at night. It was snowing, so it was absolutely beautiful because it was all decorated for Christmas. And we actually ate – they have the restaurants in the stables, so they made tables oh, in all cool. the stalls. So that's where we ate uh, on Chris, or on New Year's Eve that year, and it was snowing. It was just perfect. I mean, it's one of the, my fondest memories of especially the Biltmore. So, yeah, that, I'm very excited to talk to Mia and her sponsor, Sarah, today and find out what happened there. But in the meantime, a whole bunch of people, my wife keeps saying, because she's on the page, she keeps saying, I am shocked at the number of, pe number of people who are doing the virtual Tevis this year, and apparently you're one of them. I am one of them, and so far, virtually, <laughs> I have made it through Forest Hill. I'm two-thirds of the way through the ride. <laughs> <laughs> you made it over Cougar Rock. You're, you're good there. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so how many miles are you in now? About 72. And which horse is this? I'm riding Jovi. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. I mean, you're going to – and when do you have to be finished by? Um, by July 17th, oh, the, the day Tevises of actual Tevis. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, we got a little delayed because we've had a lot of weather where it was extremely windy. And I mean, we even have a 40% chance of snow today. It's and, been that way all over the country. The wind has been uh -huh. incredible everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we have gotten out a little bit, but we're looking forward to getting out and doing, you know, a few more, you know, eight and 10 mile rides and 
And uh, yeah, adding, it's nice because you have a little bit of an incentive to get out even when the weather's bad and at least do a little something. (laughs) And there were like hundreds of people doing that this year, weren't there? There are. So far, there's 370. Wow. And And it's not too late to sign up because, you know, you figured if, even if you sign up in the last month, if you do three miles or four miles a day, you're still going to, um, you know, you'll be able to reach the 100 mile. And it wasn't just riders. Amount. You could be driving a carriage. It, it didn't matter this year. Exactly. Whatever. You could do it on foot. <laughs> yeah. You don't even need a horse. They have a non-horse um, category division as I know well. Some people were doing it on bicycles and different stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So Jovi's coming along. He's coming along, and you know his name actually fits him really well, Jovi, because he thinks he is a rock star, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the hair to prove it. <laughs> yeah, he does. He has big hair. He's got a lot of hair. <laughs> so, w- w- so, when will you take him in his first non-virtual ride? You know, I'm kind of bringing him along slowly, not just because of his f- physical fitness, but for mentally. I want to make sure. It- you know, that he's going to be safe and that he's going to mentally handle everything really well. And of course, you know, now that I'm start, you know, the last time I actually started a horse was over 20 years ago um, with Chief. So I'm taking it slow and careful and making sure we're safe and that, you know, he's mentally coming along as well as the rest of his, you know, cardio and his you know, soft tissues and stuff like that are. So we've been legging up kind of slow. He's done some eight and 10 mile conditioning rides along with riding lessons in the arena. And I've been working on desensitizing him to stuff. So the walks around the neighborhood when it's been, you know, 30 mile an hour winds have been wonderful for him because he gets to see stuff blowing. He gets to see the windmills whirling and all the noise and, and things like that fluttering and blowing up at him and things like that. So it's been really good. So we'll we'll see. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe by the fall of this year, we'll both, um, you know, be ready to go. So we'll see. I bet you you're itching, too. It's been, been a while for you. It this has. is probably your longest show break in a long time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's been a while. And then, of course, you know, COVID and everything just really uh, mess things up but people are getting back to riding this last weekend there was also the cash creek ride in the west region and they had over 200 entries wow yeah so people are getting back into riding i think everybody's you know more than ready to get going again well you have a your tip coming up right after we talk about horseware is about the crew bag and what you're supposed to bring along if you're the part of the crew for a rider so i wanted to first talk about the amigo amico bug buster fly sheet this is like the cadillac of fly sheets and you know you said you might be having snow but the flies are going to be coming soon enough (laughs) so this uh amico it's called amico because it is actually made from 149 plastic bottles are recycled to create one fly sheet 
And we had that we had the horseware people on to explain how it works, and it is a fascinating process. So you have this fabric that's made from recycled bottles, and it's basically they they make it in they make it into a material and then weave it together to make a fly sheet. It's pretty cool the technology Neat. that that they use to do this. It, it features a sustainable, breathable uh, polyester net offering strong sun reflecting properties. It has the classic front closure, the the detachable hood, the dual leg arches, so you have the the leg straps as well. Plus, it has the the uh, straight surcingle underneath the belly, so it covers up the belly, so the whole belly's covered. My pony has one of these and absolutely loves it. This thing covers everything and has the large tail flap, uh, and as I said, it has the maximum UV protection and all of that stuff. It is really a, a nice fly sheet, and his has lasted him three or four years, which with my hackney pony is not an easy thing to accomplish <laughs> because he destroys everything. He never leaves fly masks on. So uh, it's called the Amigo Amico Bug Buster Fly Sheet. You can find it at most retailers. And you can get it in a pretty silver sky blue. And also you can get sizes 66 to 87. So take a look for that today. Thanks to Horseware for their continuing sponsorship of the here at the Horse Radio Network. Now your endurance tip. Uh, your crew, the people who head out and meet you at the checkpoints and all that stuff. Uh, or when you don't have a crew, you pack the crew bag. Gotcha. Okay. And the crew bag gets brought out to the vet check so that you can take care of yourself and your horse. So even when you do or don't have a crew. <laughs> and I'm going to, we're going to put this in the show notes today because it's a, it's a list. So we're, we'll put it in the show notes today, but let's talk about the basics. What do you need? Okay. Basically, you want to pack food for your horse and a blanket if one might be needed. And then anything else you as a rider might need. That's the the short and sweet version of it. You also want to make sure you keep your crew bag from being overweight because the ride volunteers are the ones that are having to presumably load it and then unload it and then, you know, offload it back when it get, gets brought back to camp. So you don't want to give them a hernia. So you don't need to, you know, put the kitchen sink in there. You just want to put what, you know, the items that you're going to need or possibly could need within, you know, within reason. Like I said, no, no kitchen sinks. Um, <laughs> so a uh, couple things to remember, if you send your favorite blanket out to an outfit check during the ride, it might not be back in camp when you finish, or if you've got multiple checks during the day and you have an out check and then an in check um, and your crew bag is sent to the out check, just remember the items you send out, they may not be back in camp when either when you finish or you come back for another vet check to have there. So you're going to want to, some of these items you're going to want to double up on to make sure you have one at each location. So just kind of keep that in mind. Another thing is a lot of rides will provide feed at the outvet checks for your horse. However, it's still always a good idea to send some food in your crew bag for your horse. Just in case your horse is picky, prefers having their own food versus what's provided. Or usually I find it's the other way around. They prefer to eat anybody else's food. <laughs> but also, uh, sometimes I've been at rides where um, the the hay or the feed doesn't always make it to the vet check in time or they run out. So you want to make sure that you're prepared and have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of your horse's hay and a little bit of like a, I use gallon size baggies to put the horse feed in. Um, you know, if you do any treats, electrolytes, 
you know, of course, then you're going to need a feed pan and a small bucket so you can get water. You always want to have an extra hoof boot, which is always good to carry on your saddle, but it's always good to have an extra one in your crew bag. That way, um, if you need it or maybe somebody else might need it, um, it's always good to have that and make sure you have them sized and fit ahead of time for all four feet so that, you know, in case you have a horse with two different sizes, you're prepared with that. And uh, I'll just go real quick here for the rider. You want your snacks, lunch, or whatever, if it's not provided, you know, human electrolytes, things like that for you. You want to make sure you've got all that. Um, And again, I think like Glenn mentioned, we'll put a lot of this stuff in a list and put it in the show notes. I'll actually do a link to your old blog post because it it even has pictures in it too. It's got a whole bunch of other stuff in there. Exactly. You know, and then of course, if you're doing night riding, like on a hundred, you know, there's other additional things you may want to pack, like an additional maybe change of clothes. You want to have your headlamp, maybe glow bars, extra batteries, a rump rug for your horse. So a lot of it's, you know, very individual depending on the ride and your horse and yourself, things like that. Um, You know, you just want to, you know, think through the things that you know you're going to want or, you know, you're going to want to take care of your horse. You know, I've had horses that feel so much better at an out check if I can kind of get a brush on them and clean off the sweat around them a little bit. That always makes them feel better. And it also helps uh, attract the bugs. A little bit less, which is good. So, you know, consider maybe throwing in a brush or, or something for helping cleaning up your horse. And then one final thing for riders doing multi-day rides. A lot of times there'll be a center spot in camp with the trailer where you bring your crew back and drop it off and then pick it up. So each day it's easier to just simply re-add any horse feed that got used up and bring it out to where you know, the middle of camp where the crew bag is and just put the new stuff, add it to it rather than drag your crew bag back and forth. Well, thank you for that, Karen. And as I said, we'll put a link to her old blog post in there in the show notes. You can just click on that and check out the complete list. Also, a bunch of pictures that she had in there as well. Well, before we get to our first guest, we have Kristen here from the Distance Depot, like she is every month. And today, we're you know you were talking about what you need at vet checks and the everything that needs to be packed for that. We also need some hay bags and some gear bags, right? Absolutely. So when we decided we were going to talk about organizers and hay and gear bags and that sort of thing, I thought, how do I find that on my website? Websites are always fun to navigate uh-huh. <laughs> when you start looking for a particular thing. So. The best suggestion I would have as far as our website goes is to scroll down on the left-hand side navigation menu to the horse, trailer, and truck category. And then in that category, you'll see the horse, trailer, uh, slash truck accessories. There you will find, you know, all of our hay bags, all of our organizer bags, um, hay and gear bags, uh, rolling bale bags, bale carriers, all kinds of great things, but that's how you would probably best find the biggest assortment of these items because we have a lot of them. Um, so we do have for crewing um, the cash flow gear and crew bag, which is a pretty good sized bag. It would hold blankets. It would hold some hay, you know, your electrolytes, all kinds of stuff. If you had to take it or send it out, 
um, you know, if you didn't have crew and also if you had crew, um, just a great way to organize everything. The other style of bag, which will ultimately go away, unfortunately, because these are awesome bags, um, are the Easy Care Deluxe Hay and Gear Bags. And um, again, it's a little bit smaller, but carries a flake of hay. You can, in a separate compartment, put ice boots, blankets, you know, jackets, whatever you need to do. And today, for the first time, um, we're going to offer an exclusive discount on the Easy Care Deluxe Hay and Gear Bag. So um, it will be, we'll offer 15% off. Just use code BAG, all capitals, for bag. 15. So no spaces, all capitals, B-A-G-1-5. And the code will be good um, for your listeners today and tomorrow, all the way through the 11th. So anyway, some good hay and gear bags there. And um, Karen was asking about what sort of trailer door organizers we have. And um, we have manger so the little short doors in the front of some of the trailers with the living quarters, we have the little manger organizers that go in there. We've got full-length organizers to hold your fly spray, your brushes, polo wraps, electrolytes, medicines, um, half-door organizers, and um, by nice brands, Cashel and Professional Choice mm-hmm. um, makes, makes both of these um, styles. And... You know, all kinds of other things for your trailer as far as trailer bar window screens um, so that when you're going down the road and it's super hot, you don't have to worry about, you know, helping to, um, they help to keep the flies, out, you know, or bugs, bees from zipping in and um, hitting your horse. So, but still able to keep it cool in there. Um, and of course, a huge assortment of hay bags, nibble nets. Um, the trail rights mesh hay bag is super popular and slow feeders of, of various, <laughs> various brands, but all kinds of good things on this, on this page you'll find. Right. You can never be too organized. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your trailer. It's very organized. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. It's, it's great having those door organizers. They're fantastic for stuff. Yeah. And they hold a yeah. lot. I mean, they really, you can really pack quite a bit of stuff in there. You can. And I like, you know, that they have the the pockets are made out of mesh. So when you take stuff out, you can kind of, you know, hose them down to clean them and then put your stuff back in. That's what I do. And that works really well. Yeah. These are great. If hair or sand, it it falls through, it doesn't get all stuck in there. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. they're really nice. And you can see through them, too, which makes it nice. If you've got a lot of pockets filled with all kinds of things, it's easy access. Right. And I see you can embroider and customize, put your name on some of these items. Yes. So like that hay and gear bag by, by Easy Care is a popular item. I will say we only have two green ones left because these are going away. We have 129 of the Navy. So plenty of the Navy left, um, but we are offering that special code on that. But yeah, absolutely. You can choose to embroider, put your farm name or your name just so that it's easily identified. Um, you know, or your horse's name, whatever you like on there. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's or the Easy Care in the morning. <laughs> Easy Care Deluxe Hay and Gear Bag. And what's the coupon code again? B A G for bag one five. No spaces, all capitals. 
And, and I'm going to yeah, ask if you can leave it up for a week because our people, you know, sometimes listen, oh, okay. listen a lot. They, they may listen Absolutely. to this four days from now. So, uh, oh, okay. and then they always get mad at me if the code isn't for longer. So. <laughs> it doesn't last long enough, of right. course. Okay, so we'll make it. So, what does that make it? The seventeenth. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so we'll make okay, it through so the seventeenth. That'll be great. Absolutely. And Kristen, how do people get in touch with you to order? Um, they can visit us at the website, which is www.thedistancedepot.com, or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Terrific. Thank you. Well, as Kristen said, there is a discount code on the Easy Care Deluxe Hay and Gear Bag, which is normally priced at $67.90. You can get 15% off, but I talked her into changing the coupon code to HRN. So you have a week from today, which is the 10th, and use the coupon code HRN, like all of our other coupon codes, like we use everywhere, and then you'll get that 15% off. So that's a good deal, and uh, who doesn't need another hay or gear bag? You can find it over there. Easy care is good stuff. And now we're going to get to our guest. Uh, it's so funny because I wrote to you probably about the same time that you were already writing to the guest. But we <laughs> exactly we reported Monday that Mia Moore had won the Biltmore, and she was uh, 11 years old, which is a great story in itself. But her sponsor is Sarah Marie Arthur, and we have both of them coming up next to talk about what it was like to start, what, very early in the morning, probably 7 or 8 o'clock, right? Uh, earlier. Earlier. <laughs> and then end at 3.45 or something a.m. Holy crap. That's a long that day. That's a long day And that's him. the winner. <laughs> I mean, it's everybody else who came in behind that. So almost 24 hours for almost everybody on that ride. Well, good morning, Sarah and Mia. Thank you for joining us. We're so excited to have you and to get to talk about your Biltmore 100 Mile Ride this weekend. So let's start with Sarah. Tell us about... What was leading up to getting ready to do this hundred and the horses you guys rode? Well, Mia and I have been endurance riding together for a little over a year now. And we both happened upon this wonderful opportunity thanks to a friend of ours named Heather Wilkerson. She offered to let both of us catch ride some of her horses in the Biltmore 100. And neither of us have ever done a 100 before, but we've been doing back-to-back 50s and thought we would uh, jump on the opportunity. And so glad we did. So how many riders were there? Do you know? Do you remember that? In the in the 100, there uh-huh. were, well, originally there were 10 entered, but by the time the ride started, there were actually only seven starters. Okay. Probably due to the trail conditions. Right. How long had it been raining leading up to the ride? It wasn't a long periods of rain, but it had rained a good amount the, before the Friday ride, and then it rained during the Friday ride. And so with the rain and all the riders on Friday, by the time Saturday started, the trails were very sloppy and slick. So let's now let's go to Mia. Mia, what did you think about this ride and what made you think you were ready to do a hundred? I liked it. It was fun. And I love riding horses. But I rode Heather's horse, um, Piper, and she was good. The trails were a bit sloppy, so. Had you yeah. ridden in the mud before? Yeah, but not that much. <laughs> 
I bet. Now, did you get rained on very much during the ride? Uh, not on the 100, but on the 50 the day before that. Were you ever scared? No, not really. But we did see two bear cubs climb up a tree. That was well, pretty, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how tall are you right now, Mia? Uh, I don't know. About, my parents think about four foot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So, Mia, you rode the 50 the day before, too, right? Uh, yes, sir. So, you did 150 um, miles in two days in the mud at the Biltmore. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, you, you, uh, you had a long day. What time did you guys start? The start time was 6 a.m., and so you finished at, started at five. You finished at three something in the morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a long day. Yeah, it was it was a long day, but it was totally worth it. Now, <laughs> does Mia ever let you lead, or is she always in the lead? Oh well, normally we switch off a lot, but then when I had to chip back in as a ghost sponsor, I guess part of the requirements of that are that I follow behind the entire time. So oh, wait a minute, let me explain, explain that to listeners. What's ghost sponsor mean? So when a junior loses her sponsor, his or her sponsor due to a pool, um, another rider in the event can pick her up as a sponsor. But if the other riders decline to take the junior on, then they can send an unregistered but qualified old enough rider to go along with the junior as a ghost sponsor. And I honestly, maybe not exactly correct on that. That was something we kind of learned at the last minute at this mm-hmm. ride that, we, that that was available to do. So let's but back up require, and, and, yeah. and let's back up and walk us through the start through the whole ride. Um, who did Mia start riding with and how did the rest of the day go? And when did you join in? Well, it, so I, Mia and I both started the ride together with Heather, who was the owner of all three horses. And the original plan was for Heather to kind of do her ride and Mia and I to kind of go off on our own and do our own ride. But we we all started out together and we were having so much fun that we decided to stick together. And then after the second loop, which was about 35 miles, that's when my horse pulled a muscle probably on all the slick trails. And, I, and so I got a lameness pull. And so Heather and Mia continued on in the third loop, which was about 16 miles. And after the third loop, Heather's horse also got pulled for a very similar um, type lameness. And so at that point, we had we were halfway through the ride now, and we had to try to find another sponsor for Mia. And by this point, there were other lameness pulls as well. So I think it was down to four riders. And uh, there was one ahead of Mia and two behind. And the two behind her um, were asked about sponsoring her, but declined to take her on. So that's when we started looking around for horses for me to ride, to, to join back in the ride, but only as a ghost sponsor, not as a competitor any longer. So basically your job at that point is to make sure Mia doesn't die out there um, and that she gets back home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And get eaten by the bear. Yeah. Her mama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
So, Mia, is there anything that scares you on these rides? Is there anything where you're going, oh, I don't know if I like this? Uh, not really. Well, you're just fearless. <laughs> she is. <laughs> so, Mia, what she's was your... She's a blast. She's an absolute blast. But, by the way, she's making all the adults mad her. right now who are terrified uh, when they I ride don't... at the side of cliffs, you know? <laughs> it's like... So, Mia, she what wants was... to do it all. <laughs> what was your favorite part of the ride, Mia? Uh, riding in the dark. You, you like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I should chime in that she did not want to cut her headlamp on. The only time she would cut her headlamp on is if we had to see where which direction the arrows were pointing. So do you oh, trust good. your horse that much, Mia? Mm, yes, sir. Just let them take you for the ride, huh? Mm-hmm. Do you ever get sore? You rode 150 miles in two days and probably didn't sleep much. Did... Do you ever get sore? I was a bit sore. Yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> you were. <laughs> yeah, but I bet you recovered a lot faster. How how yes. about you, Sarah? How did how did how you, you recover? recover? Yeah. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to do another as soon as possible. <laughs> Both of us really. We we loved it. Okay, so finish for us what happened after you know, now you're over halfway through the ride and you were looking for another horse. And so how did um, the Second half go. Uh, so a, a wonderful friend of ours named Jim Jurassic let me ride his giant standard bred gelding for the next 18-mile loop. And um, and we just continued on at that point. I, I, after that, So that was the fourth loop. And then the fifth and sixth loops, um, someone donated a, a cute little quarter horse named Max for me to ride the last 30 miles. And we just trucked along. Um, the two riders that were behind Mia, um, they had been like 30 plus minutes behind us. But um, after we had to wait for them to kind of turn down the opportunity to sponsor Mia, they they kind of followed behind us for the whole rest of the ride. But I think they respectfully let her keep her placing um, rather than try to pass her, which I, I thought was really nice. And um, then all three of us ended up passing the front runner uh, who towards the end of the ride ran out of gas. We actually came up on her on foot in the dark and she told us that um, she was trying to wake up, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but she said she was doing okay and uh, told us she was going to get back on and and keep going. But for us to go ahead and pass on by her and have a great ride. And and we did. And and we just kind of cruised along in the dark and took it easy on those slick trails where we needed to and, and made time, as much time as we could in the fields and the roads and just had a blast. And I was just so thankful. The horses that were provided to me were just wonderful. They didn't, they were great at following right behind Mia and the horse that Mia was on Piper was a super leader. She just loves to go down the trail. And I think I couldn't have gone any better. That's great. So Mia, are you hooked on hundreds now? Uh, yes, ma'am. They're my favorite now. <laughs> that they are. <laughs> That's so, what they would have expected. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your big goal? Do you have a Do you have a race that you you just really want to do? It's on your list, Mia. Tevis. Yeah, I figured that was going to be your answer. Uh, I figured. It, mm-hmm. I'm assuming not. How old do you have to be to do Tevis? By the way, Tevis? twelve. Twelve. Well, next year you can do it. Do you want to do it next year, or am I making mom nervous uh, now? Yeah, I want to do it because on my horse, I'm going to do like a hundred or two this year. So, so tell us about your horse. What's your tell us about what's your horse's name first of all? 
my horse, not, I didn't ride my horse. I got you. But what's your horse's name? But Riven. And is Riven an Arabian? Yeah, he is a 19-year-old Arabian gelding. Oh, wow. And you've ridden him forever? Was he like your first horse? Yeah, well, he was given to us um, almost a year ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you love him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet you do. Does he take good care of you on the trail? Yeah, he's really good. We were trying to figure out, is Mia the youngest one to ever win a hundred of this level? Uh, we we're really not sure. She's got to be. <laughs> Who else? I mean, <laughs> it's pretty young to be winning a hundred at the Biltmore. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to find that out. Yeah. We'll have to ask. So, uh, so thank you well, guys. Good. Thanks and congratulations. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Renegade Hoof Boots, which are the boots that I've been using for many, many years and lots of miles on all of my horses. That's Renegade Hoof Boots. The nice thing about them is they are made in the United States. They in Arizona. They come in many different colors. So you can accessorize them to match, which is great. They come in different models. They've got two models of a strap-on version, the Viper and the Classic. And they've also got a glue-on version, which is good for doing, you know, if you're going on a multi-day or a hundred and you just want to glue your boots on and be done with it, that's great. I like the strap-on version personally because you know, they're easy to put on. And then when you're done, you take them off and you're done. And they work really, really good on all kinds of different footing. I've ridden in, well, I've done Tevis in them, of course, and lots of other rides in all kinds of different conditions and stuff. And you can find them at renegadehoofboots.com. Our next guest is Aaron Grogan, who is an auditor and is joining us to talk about volunteering at her local endurance rides. She has been a vet scribe and will tell us what it's like to follow 100-mile riders around for 24 hours. So welcome, Erin. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Karen. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And so how, how long have you been doing volunteer work at your local rides? Yeah, it's been about four or five years now. Um, so we're really lucky in Southern Vermont. We've got a couple of different venues that Post both competitive trail and endurance, so I tend to sign up and do what they need me to do. <laughs> How did you first learn about the sport and get involved? It's actually kind of a funny story. Um, I met a rider through an online horse forum who was riding endurance. Um, it was going to be at a ride close to my house, and she said, hey, we need volunteers if you want to learn about it. Um, why don't you just come over, and they'll put you to work, and you'll get to see what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> and and so what was your first job that you got to do volunteering? Um, the first job was probably being a timer. So you kind of sit at the in-out point with a literal clock. <laughs> and it's up to you to let people know when it's time for them to go out onto the trail. Okay. And so how did that go? <laughs> uh, it seems like there's always a little bit of chaos um, as people are... Coming in, you know, there's a lot of information that's being tracked when they come in. So what time do they actually cross that line? Um, because that sets the clock for when they can have their pulse taken and see their vet and, and do all the steps that they need to take as a rider. So there's a lot of mental math in um, looking at the uh, the time on the clock 
and then adding in the number of uh, minutes that they have for their hold. checkpoints. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Right. So then they get their out timer and then you've got mm-hmm. to check them out when they leave and make sure they're not yep. leaving too early. Exactly. Okay. And then, yep. and, and so from there, how did things go for you as far as volunteering? Yeah. So I've done a bunch of different jobs. So um, like you mentioned, vet scribing um, means that you are literally attached to a vet for the whole ride. Um, as they're looking over horses, they're working down the rider's card. And so they're giving you letter grades, um, plus and minuses as they look at how the horse is moving, how the horse, just their overall condition is looking. So it's a lot of attention to detail uh, and you, sort of tuning out. Aaron, <laughs> do you stick, does the vet and you, in this case, with, as mm-hmm. described, do you, are you there the yep. whole race? Is that vet the whole race or do yeah. they work like a 12-hour shift and somebody replaces them? Yeah, no, they're they're there and we're there with them. So So twenty four <laughs> hours. Of cups of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the hundred mile rides are um obviously intense for everybody involved. So this July I'll be vetscribing at the Vermont one hundred, um, which is a ride that will finish in the dark, you know, two, three AM. So I'm I go to bed at nine o'clock usually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be drinking a lot of caffeine uh, after nine o'clock to stay awake. <laughs> exactly. And and so walk us through beginning to end. Say you're vet scribing for a vet. Now, do you start on Friday with vetting the horses in? Exactly. Yep. So um, this, I'll just use this July as an example. So I'll show up at about two o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and we'll be there for, you know, three or four hours vetting in on Friday. And then get there um, probably around, you know, between five and six in the morning the next day to just kind of be around as things are getting started. And then with the Vermont 100, all the vet checks are away checks. So there are, let's see, for the 100-mile ride, I think there's five different vet checks where we'll meet up with riders. And, you know, they'll come see us, have do trot outs, you know, have their pulse and respiration taken by a different group of volunteers just make sure the horse is doing okay. Uh, and a lot of the volunteers are also checking to make sure the riders are doing okay as we get into those exactly. you know, midnight and later vet checks. So it's a whole team effort. Right. And then when you're finished, when do they do like the best condition judging on that ride? Yeah, um, it's a good question. It's been a couple of years that it's been since it's been held because of COVID. If I'm remembering that ride correctly, it's going to be sort of after dawn <laughs> the next morning, I think, right. when they're okay. doing it. Depends on the number of hours right after people. And come so, in. are you still up for that? <laughs> I actually don't know the answer to that. You've just okay. given me something to because you'll on. you'll find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes you'll get a break for a while and then have right. to come back yeah. for that. They'll find right. her under a tree sleeping. Have to go yeah. wake her up. <laughs> hey. Yeah, or so, just in the middle of a field. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, what have you learned from vet scribing, watching all the horses and listening to the vets? You know, everybody says that if you want to learn how to be an endurance rider, you should volunteer. And I would totally agree. So I I would describe myself as a wannabe endurance rider. I have done some intros and a lot of pleasure rides, but hopefully my horse and I will step up to an LD this year. But seeing just the variety of shapes and sizes and breeds and ages of horses come through the vet check, I mean, you you really do learn to hone your eye to watch how a horse is moving um, have learned, you know, the basic vital signs of a horse, you know, because that's just a part of it, everything from temps to respiration rates. Um, and just seeing, you know, when is lameness a real problem and when is lameness maybe just part of how a horse is, if they vet in and they have kind of a funky way of moving, 
that's noted, um, but it's not necessarily something that's going to affect the horse's ability to compete. Um, and, you know, everybody, riders, vets, volunteers, everybody cares about that horse being happy and healthy and sound at the end of a ride. So everybody's making good decisions for the horse all along the way. And I think that's probably, as a scribe, you're just hearing all the different trade-offs that riders are making as they're talking with the vet and trying to figure out the best plans for their horse. But it's always all about the horse, which is, I think, the greatest thing about this sport. Right. And I understand you just volunteered at a ride this past weekend. How did that go? I did. Yeah. So this um, this was hosted by an organization in Vermont called Verda, which um, hosts both CTRs and endurance. So it was the first um, endurance sanctioned event for this season uh, in Vermont. We're, <laughs> we're still just getting into shape. So some people have been south for the winter and got to ride a little bit more than others. But um, this had a 30-mile option and a 50-mile option. Um, and I was doing some timing at this event um, and also ended up jumping in to help. There was a, a new ride manager this year. So just kind of helped him with random things that needed to be done throughout the day. Um, unfortunately, one rider did come off her horse early on in, in one of the, I think it was in the 30, and just needed some help as she got back to camp or as the horse got back to camp, just making sure the horse was taken care of. And um, so a few volunteers stepped in to help with okay. that horse and rider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your What's your favorite position volunteering? <laughs> I do love the scribing because, like you said, I think that's where you get to learn, um, you know, just about different horses and hear the vet's perspective. But mm-hmm. I've also marked an unmarked trail, which can be really fun because you can do that at your own pace, either with your own horse or walking through the trails, riding a bike through the trails. So that's also a really fun job and definitely something the ride managers need help with. And do you have any advice for listeners that would like to volunteer? How do they get in touch? Yep. So I would say if you have an endurance club in your area, even if you're not going to ride, it's still a good thing to join the club. You know, you'll get invited to the social events and the off-season events and and get to meet a lot of the people who are Mm -hmm. riders and other volunteers. Um, every AERC ride has their ride manager listed on the website. So if you email them or find them through Facebook, um, everyone will find something for you to do. (laughs) And so I think, um, I, I tend to be kind of an organized, uh, on time person and it's really good practice to just go with the flow and realize (laughs) you learn (laughs) flexibility, things happen. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But yeah, in all seriousness, if you're brand new and you want to learn what endurance riding is like before you even show up with your horse, um, this is such a great way to do it. You meet the riders in your local area, you meet the vets and other volunteers. And, you know, if you just are quiet and listen, you will hear all kinds of stories, you know, from the past decades of endurance riding. uh And that's really what helps you get prepared to go out there and try it yourself with your horse. Exactly. Yeah. And there's always that rider that could use a little extra help. Mm-hmm. You know, at the yep. vet checks, like if somebody could maybe trot their horse for them or hold yep. them or, you know, yep. g- get them, fill up their water bottles or whatever. Or just finish you know, the ride so- for them. It'd be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even just holding somebody's horse when they're getting mounted back up after a hold, you know, I mean, most endurance horses are old pros at this. They're used to people getting on and off them. But when everybody's a little bit amped up and it's exciting, you know, just being the person to stand at the front of the horse and say, you know, we're all good here. Like, give your person a couple seconds to get on and off you go. 
I mean, they're those little things telling a rider to have a good ride or that they're looking good, even if they might not be feeling good. I think <laughs> those are just ways to really support people as they're getting back out on trail. Look, Mia outlasted two sponsors on the Biltmore ride. She she, <laughs> she, she, she went through a lot of people on that ride. Keep up with me. <laughs> Glenn, it's a little bit embarrassing when a, an 11-year-old can finish a 100-mile ride and I'm like out there trying I, to She did a 50 the day before. Like, <laughs> I know. Kids are resilient. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They bounce too. We don't bounce do. as much anymore. <laughs> so Aaron, well, we... what would you say is the easy job? So somebody's a little intimidated mm-hmm. to go volunteer. Yeah. They want to volunteer and but yeah. what what should they do first as a volunteer? I think timing is great. Usually you're paired up with at least one other person, if not two other people. Um, marking trail is also something you can do at your own pace before and after the ride on marking. Um, the vet jobs can be a little bit more intimidating because it's moving very fast. Um, people are concerned about their horse and it, the vet scores impact things that happen later. Like Karen mentioned, best condition. Um, you don't want to make a mistake. Plus you have to be able to write legibly, which would rule me out for that one. (laughs) The vet is often telling you six different things at once and you're trying to find the spot on the card where that goes. So that can be a little intimidating. So maybe a smaller ride early in the season could be a, a good place to practice that. Pulse and respiration is also something that to me is a little more advanced because you have to be able to use a stethoscope um, and distinguish a heart rate from a a gut sound, which I made that mistake early on. Uh, I think I was recording and counting gut sounds instead of heartbeats. um, And that made some people (laughs) unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, sometimes getting a pulse with with all the commotion and all the noise mm-hmm. going on, you need to be able to focus in on it. And some horses are real quiet to hear, so it yeah. takes a little practice. But it's it's excellent um, educational wise, you know, to learn uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Can I yeah. can I ask? We we've been asked this year to cover more of the East Coast. What are the rides like in New Hampshire? Now, New Hampshire is not a flat state, so I imagine there are some hills involved. There are hills, yep. So I live in what's called the Upper Valley, which is right on the border of Vermont and New Hampshire. So the ride this weekend was in New Hampshire and definitely some hills. Um, over where I am in Vermont, uh, it, you're either going up or you're going down. There's nothing in between. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we have a, a lot of dirt and gravel roads, which make up good portions of the trail, which, um, you know, some people just have to make decisions about how to deal with their horse's feet in those kinds of conditions. Uh the wooded trails tend to be softer, um, some rocky spots, but up this way, it's not as rocky as, you know, like the old Dominion rides coming up. That one is, is known for its rocks. I don't think people know us for the rocks, but they know us for the hills and the gravel roads. And what about the humidity and temperature? Yeah, the last time the full Vermont 100 was held, which I guess would have been 2019, I think it was 92 and 100% humidity here, which people don't often think of Vermont as being so humid. But at that point in July, August, it can get really humid and nasty here. The 90 degrees was pretty unusual. I would say our our summer temperatures are... Yeah, it felt like that. I used to live in Louisiana. That's what it felt like. Usually we're going to be in the 70s and 80s in the summer, but the fall rides that we have here... um, Green Mountain Horse Association hosts a three-day, 100-mile ride Labor Day weekend every year, and that's a pretty iconic ride. Um, it is a CTR, not endurance, but uses all the same trails, and you get the benefit of the fall foliage at that time of year. So it's pretty hard to beat that kind of scenery. So did they have a lot of water on these rides? 
There is, yeah. Um, our, my farm is actually um, right next door to one of the vet holes on the Vermont 100, and so we put hoses out in our front yard in buckets just to help give people a little oh, that's before nice. they actually hit the hole yeah, to get a little mm-hmm. bit more water. And people all along the trail do that, people who aren't horse people. Um, the thing about the Vermont 100 is that it's one of the few distance events where there are still runners and horses on the same course at the same time. Oh, so really? it's an ultra marathon as well as the horse endurance huh. part of it. Yeah. So I've had, uh, <laughs> I've had runners, you know, crawling into horse water tubs <laughs> in my front yard. <laughs> People get a little delusional later in the day. <laughs> well, well, sure. And that kind of humidity. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was rough. It was <laughs> challenging. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's water out all over the place. And there are a few stream and brook crossings, but it's nothing like some of what I've seen from out in the West Rides where you're actually fording a river. We don't really have that here. Somewhere, But, you know, we do have rides where there's no natural water, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it, it's nice to hear about the the various different types of rides and terrain and stuff. What about yeah. the bugs? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, we right now we're just entering into black fly season. So I'm looking out the window at my poor horses looking miserable. So this time of year, yep, black flies are definitely going to be a problem in New England. Later in the year, we'll get some mosquitoes uh, and deer flies, but I okay. don't know how that would compare to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Yours aren't big. Well, I don't know. I've lived up there. The, your mosquitoes grow really big up there. You get, <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Canada has and the worst mosquitoes ever. I mean, yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. So, so the other thing that apparently I discovered this morning that your state is known for is beer. Uh, it's like the second most... <laughs> cons- they did beer per capita consumed, and uh, yep. yeah, you guys kind of are up there. Um, so is it? We're is very it, proud of our breweries in Vermont, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently of drinking the uh, beer that comes out of the breweries in Vermont. And I'm in Nevada. I feel left out. Why aren't we the beer? Or are we the beer capital? Of no, the it was like Minnesota. No? I think was no. or something like that. It was. I was surprised. I was just surprised that uh, you guys up there in Vermont were were right up there. Yeah. Well, we have those long, dark winters, so you, you must be proud during the winter. <laughs> yeah. I, I do appreciate our local brewing scene, and I have been known to support it, so I can't lie. Good. <laughs> well, Erin is an auditor, and she's just going to hang around for a, little, a couple minutes here for the post show. So uh, thank you for doing that, Erin, and thank you for being on the regular show with us. We're going to do a post show today. Karen and I have something we want to talk about that's just kind of fun for us, if nothing else. But where can people find out about uh, what's going on with the AERC and... And a calendar. Okay, go to aerc.org and you can click on the ride calendar and then look for rides in your area by region or by state. And that's how you can find rides that are coming up in your area that you can go and volunteer at or even just go and watch if you're not qu- quite ready to jump in. Um, you know, you can go and hang out. But I'll tell you what, most ride managers are going to really appreciate having you know, a little bit of extra help. Mm-hmm. Very good. And we can find all the links and everything for today's show. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com and look for today's episode, and you'll find all the links there or right there in your podcast player. Just scroll left or right or up or down, depending on the player, and you'll find all the links right there as well. You can find all the past episodes of Endurance. And we found out today that there's a couple people that did this. They went back and listened to all the past episodes. God bless you. Go to horsesinthemorning.com and scroll down the middle of the page till you see the Endurance banner. Click on it, and it'll take you to all the past episodes. Most of them.
them that are really old, the only place you can listen to them is right on the website because they're not even on the players anymore. We've been around too long. I so, know. A long time. Yeah. So, Karen, thanks a bunch. And where can people find you? On the Facebook? Um, yes, just look for NV Endurance Writer. NV Endurance Writer on Facebook. Thank you all. And hold on, auditors. We'll be back with you in just a second. Jamie and I will be back tomorrow. Hey, auditors. So something fun happened yesterday. Karen contacted uh, contacted Sarah about getting Mia on the show, right? Right. And then what did Sarah say? Sarah said, let me scroll back up here to find it. And Aaron's still with us too, right? I'm here. Sarah. Okay, good. Thanks for... Thanks for hanging out with us. I feel so cool, Glenn. Thank yes, you. For the you tip. can swear anytime now. We're, we're a good guy. <laughs> Let me go grab a beer. <laughs> she, she so she wrote me back after I asked if if she if Sarah and Mia would consider being guests on the show this morning. She wrote back and said, I would absolutely love to share the story, though. Mia is such an amazing little writer and a wonderful kid as well. And I'm a huge fan of your show. I have listened to every single episode. It's what got me hooked and taught me that this actually was a sport I could do. Isn't that cool, Erin? That's so cool. Well, actually, Karen, I will say I, so the first time I ever crewed at the Vermont 100 was for Patty Carey, who does the Endurance Essentials. Uh huh. I first started listening to horses because I heard that she was going to be. She was a guest a couple of times. Essentials, yeah, and that's how I found horses in the morning was through that. So, um, yeah, endurance brought me to the podcast and to being an auditor. Oh, cool. wow. that's very cool. And then we yeah. found out Mia and her mom and dad listened to all the shows too. So, oh, it, wow. it was cute because Mia, we. When you have eleven year olds, <laughs> when you have teenagers of any age or preteens, it's always a it's always a gamble. We're in the post show, so I can talk about this. Uh-huh. It's always a gamble about whether they're going to be talkers or not. Either they usually mm-hmm. talk your ear off and won't shut up, and you can't interrupt them. Mm-hmm. Or Jamie ha- actually hates having kids on. She won't even. I have to do the interviews. Um, so, or they just clam up. You know, they're probably will talk your ear off in the car, but then they get on the show. And she was kind of the clam up type today. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a little no. tougher than poor me. She's Mia. a little shy. Well, but, you know, uh-huh. she's going to eventually bloom. And pretty soon, just wait another year or two. Yeah, she'll she, be the she one that won't be able to get her to stop talking. <laughs> she won't find a sponsor because nobody will want to ride with her. She'll be talking her ear off. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It is funny that way. So, Aaron, uh, you do you listen to any other shows? Do you listen to All of Horses in the Morning or what? I do, yeah. I listen to All of Horses in the okay. Morning. Um, I also like the Retired Resource Show, Dressage Radio. I don't do any of these disciplines, but I just, I don't know. You guys are entertaining and you, you always have good guests. And even talking about kids clamming up, it's, you know, it's just still nice to see that there are younger people interested in doing these sports and coming along. So, I don't know, on the listening side of it, it that doesn't bother me. Yeah, you know, and we, I'll edit it today so that you won't, 
most people won't even realize that she, you know, there were long pauses and things. <laughs> I'll edit it so that it was, that will that won't even be an issue. But Karen, that is really cool. You've got a lot of that this week, and it, you know, it, it's funny, Aaron, because we we are actually talking to ourselves. <laughs> so, especially Jamie and I, we do this three days a week for the last twelve years, and we're just we forget that people listen. We're just talking, to her. and Jamie especially. I mean, you can tell that. She, I have to remind her that people listen occasionally. Um, and I do edit some of what she says. But, you know, you do forget, right, Karen? It's just you and I right. hanging out yeah, once a month. <laughs> you don't realize. Yeah, it's great to have the listeners and, and know that they like to listen to the show and and that they're still listening after all these years. We have a focus group, and that's been the best thing I've ever done. We started the focus group about six months ago. There's about 12 avid listeners in there that comment on every episode of Horses in the Morning. And we're going to start the f- focus group now for Dressage and some of the other shows. But they have their own Facebook page, and they're the only ones that are in there. So they can be brutally honest. They're sworn to honesty. And they are. They'll comment, and they'll talk about each episode. And that's been really good for me. Um, it's mm-hmm. been good for me to see the feedback and, and they disagree sometimes and that's good. That's mm-hmm. fine too. Right. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that Glenn. Yeah. And it's, it has been so interesting to see how people just respond differently to different topics. And uh, you're probably sick of hearing us say the same thing over and no, over. No, you know, <laughs> because the show and these guests were so fun. <laughs> yeah, I look for the nuggets though. And I, I do look, I read every comment and I know you guys probably don't think I do, but I do. I read every, Jamie probably doesn't. She's, she's a little thinner skinned than I am. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's really nothing negative in there, but it, um, it is interesting. We always, when I do conferences, like I'm going to PodFest in a couple of weeks and this will come up. Somebody will say, well, I got bad feedback. And I go, well, mm-hmm. h- how much bad feedback? Well, one person. <laughs> it's like, Uh-oh. and we get that all the time. And you even see it, Aaron, in, in the focus group. You see there's mm-hmm. one person that didn't like whatever. And mm-hmm. everybody else loved it. So I kind of, I don't discount it, but I don't do anything about it. That's not actionable mm-hmm. when one person. If right. five of you say, oh, that was just, that wasn't great. Then, you know, five out of 12 say that wasn't great. Now I'm taking a look and I'm going to go, okay, that might be actionable at this point. Um, but you can't, you can't take action on what one person says about anything because you're mm-hmm. always going to get an outlier. And it just could be that they just didn't like that topic or that person or whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. you, you have to kind of discount that. And, and you mm-hmm. learn that, you know, I learned that with the acting company, you, we'd have 400 people in the room. And in those days, they had to send letters. So they would send us letters, we get all these letters about how wonderful it was, and we had standing ovation and all that. And then there'd be one table of people who wrote and said it was the worst thing, and they wanted a refund. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't change our show because of that one table of people. You know, yeah. Well, and sometimes we're just grumpy too, right? We're we're people too, and our horse is being naughty while we're listening to <laughs> doing chores, and that colors the whole way we hear that episode. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's been good that we've been listening to multiple episodes, so you can start to get a a pattern. Or a you know, that's what I've noticed being on an endurance ride. If somebody has a great day on their horse, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how hot it was, how hard it was, how much it mm-hmm. rained. None of that matters. They had a great time, even if, you know, the people around them are just miserable. And, <laughs> you know, there's, but there's always somebody that's going to, you know, look at stuff in a more positive way just because they're having a good day. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's totally right. So, and I'm sure you've you've seen that yourself at the rides when you see the people coming into the vet checks. 
Yes. Some are happy. <laughs> and my husband would always say when he went with me, he's like, well, why don't some of these people smile more? <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know how much I should really say about volunteers expecting that every now and then a rider is just going to go off on them and tell them they're stupid and they don't know what they're doing and that, oh. that is wrong. I mean, that's happened to me. And you just try to realize, you know, they, they're probably having a really bad day on trail. Their horse isn't doing what they're asking. Right. I'm not the one who's actually filling out the vet card, and I can't change. And we don't know how many blisters they have on their ass either. So, (laughs) probably a lot. Speaking (laughs) from personal experience. (laughs) So you're, you probably cringe every time uh, Jamie and I say we don't understand why smart people listen to us, and most of our listeners are smart. You're like a PhD too. I cannot tell you how many PhDs listen to our show. We're going. We're just a couple of idiots, and you guys are listening. It's crazy. No, you guys are great. You know, I mean, for me, I came to horses as an adult re-rider. I had taken lessons a little bit as a kid, but I'm in my 40s now. I started riding in my 30s. And I feel like an idiot around horses all the time. <laughs> I feel like every day I'm learning something new. And you guys make it fun. And it just it doesn't have to be that high stakes. And it doesn't have to be taken so seriously. And I think giving people a chance to have a community, um, and make mistakes and ask for help. Everybody, like you always say on the show, everybody in the monitor room is so positive and supportive. Um, that's why I've stuck around because it's in some ways better than the, mm-hmm. the real life horse community I have because people are just so encouraging and willing to help. It is interesting how we've attracted that kind of person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's partly because that's the kind of show we do, right? So uh, mm-hmm. we're going to attract, you're going to attract listeners that are like the show you do. So if your mm-hmm. show's negative and bitchy, you're going to attract negative and bitchy <laughs> listeners. It's just, yep. you know, th- because the positive people aren't going to listen to you. Um, and I also think it's a reason that this show has lasted as long as it has. It, it, and it's partly because we offer an outlet and it's it's something to take you away from the real world. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you think about we've been doing this 12 years, all the things that have happened in the world over 12 years and and we've just always kind of ignored it and made it a place where people could have a break. Mm-hmm. Right. And the last election cycle was probably the time we got the most emails saying, I'm so glad to listen to you guys every day because it's not that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's been interesting. Well, I know you have to get back to work. Thank you, Aaron, for, for hanging out with us. We yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Aaron. And thanks yeah, for just saying thank you. Yeah. And thanks yeah, for being thank an you for highlighting the, the New England rides. I, well, I next next month, I hope. Uh, yeah, next month I hope to get Pam. She's in Australia riding right. now, so yeah. Um, and she is a force of nature. So now sure we have to get Karen <laughs> out of the West Coast over to the East Coast for some rides. She, I know. Yeah, come on over. You're welcome to stay here. We're right on the, the Vermont 100 route, so anytime you come this way, you have, have a place to stay. See, <laughs> there you go. I'm sure we could find you places yep. to stay all over the East Coast, so it won't be a problem. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you both. Bye. Bye. So that is kind of cool. You must feel pretty good today. Yeah, except now I got to go get a needle stuck in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing today? The blood work. Just oh, a lab. Blood work, yeah. yeah I just, you know, the girl who did my 15 vials the other day, I never <sighs> felt it. Oh, good. I, I never felt it. It's, I was like, I saw isn't she. Isn't that nice? I, it, because, yeah, because how many of us have had people that have missed and it's been five pokes, right? But, yeah. But she, I'd never felt it at all. And I looked down and all of a sudden the blood's coming out. And I'm like, you put the needle in? And she said, yeah, I'm taking the blood out. That's I was like, great. So how long till you get the results? Uh, 
June the 7th. I have to do my, they called about the CT scan. I had to wait for the insurance to approve it on that. So I have to go for the CT scan and then I get the results June the 7th. So we'll know then. Okay. Now, I think some of the blood work and stuff I'll actually be able to see online. Uh, yeah. But then that's dangerous because you don't know how it means. So it's like, right. It's like you go well, Google. Well, go to Dr. Google. Yeah. And that, that's always great. That always makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> I know, huh? Well, Karen, thanks cool. again. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay. I'm going to go edit. All right. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Have a good day. Bye.